Good evening. You are listening to Paranormally Speaking with your host, Neil Parks. It is currently September 25th, 2011, uh, where I am right now in Chillicothe, Ohio. I believe it is right about 68 degrees outside. I had a beautiful afternoon to put up all of my Halloween decorations. I was lucky in that department. Had a really good day, in fact. I would like to hear a response from all of you. If you'd feel free to email me or send me a a personal message through Facebook or Skype or Twitter or on the www.psn-radio.com website. You can go directly to a page made uh, especially for this webcast. Or you could go to www.soupmedianetwork.com backslash paranormally speaking. Thank you for tuning in. And tonight, of course, is the season premiere of Desperate Housewives and The Good Wife. I can only hope that I will have your undivided attention on this fine evening. Tonight's topic, Vengeful Spirits. We will be discussing imps, Native American curse spirits, the Amityville Mansion, and the alleged horror that took place within the four walls of that home, demons masquerading as angry spirits, and, of course, the grudge movies. The list goes on. Hot topics, new topics. It's current events time. Is it illegal to hunt aliens? Someone asked me this question the other day, if there are any laws against hunting aliens. I wasn't sure at first, so I researched it. This is what I found. I happened upon Title 14, Section 1211 of the Code of Federal Regulations. According to the Federal Regulation on October 5, 1982, Dr. Brian Clifford of the Pentagon announced that contact between U.S. citizens and extraterrestrials on their vehicles or their vehicles is strictly illegal. According to a law already on the books, Title 14, Section 1211 of the Code of Federal Regulations adopted July 16, 1969, Anyone guilty of such contact automatically becomes a criminal and may be jailed for one year and fined up to $5,000. I could not find any passage on laws about hunting extraterrestrials. However, I believe the government would use something like that to detain you, especially in this post-9-11 world that we live in. Most importantly, You must remember, if you kill or wound an alien, or come close to uh, one, in order to check on your prey if you are hunting them, you have just come into contact with said alien. Hence the above law. You've just broken. Bigfoot, alive and well and living in North Carolina? Bigfoot has apparently gone blonde and lives in North Carolina, at least according to Cleveland County resident Tim Peeler, who told local authorities of his encounter with the 10-foot-tall creature, reports the Charlotte Observer. Peeler thought he was calling coyotes, but instead got surprised and frightened by what or who came calling. Instead of them, him, Peeler, who lives in a rural area near South uh, Mountain State Park, told NBC affiliate WCNC News Channel 36, This thing was ten foot tall. He had beautiful hair, said Peeler, adding that it looked like the creature had six fingers on each hand. I came out here and rough-talked him and run him off, continued Peeler. But then the creature returned. Luckily, the encounter ended safely when Peeler got a bit more aggressive. I said, get away from here, get, get, and he went right back up into the path again. Sergeant Mark Self of the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office responded to the suspicious person called by Peeler. It scared me, said the sh- that said Shelf. This is just totally blowing my mind, and they even brought it back up added the Sasquatch legend that has been in the county since the 1970s. It doesn't bother me now. I don't think there's anything to it, Self said. Still, the sheriff's office plans to continue its routine patrols in the area. If we see something, we'll try to capture it and take it into custody, he added. So campers and hikers visiting the state park, one of North Carolina's least developed recreational sites, be forewarned. You might want to plan on carrying a big stick and leaving the coyote caller at home. A huge black triangle UFO, low over Wixom, Michigan. 
A Michigan witness stopped at a red light in Wuxim, reports a low-flying, black triangle-shaped object with three white lights. It moved overhead, according to September 20, 2011 testimony from the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON. Witness reporting database. The witness pulled over into her office complex parking lot, stopped, and rolled the car window down. There's no sound at all coming from this object, the witness reported. It was huge. It was moving fairly slow, going slightly southeast. The witness described the encounter. The sky around the object was still dark. It was 6.18 in the morning, but still bluish. The area between the three lights was solid black. I tried to find my phone to attempt to take a picture, but it was in my purse. When I finally found it and looked back up, the object was too far away. When I first observed it, I knew it was not a plane. The lights were of a white that was different from any light that I had ever seen. And this, of course, will lead us into our first break for the evening. We're going to play a series of commercial advertisements, so our sponsors will be happy. And while we're waiting, go ahead and log on to the PSN Radio chat room and tell us what you think so far of the show or of any other shows you might be listening to at this current point in time. I'll go ahead and leave you with the Jackal's Head promo and talk to you as soon as we return. Be patient and be kind. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the jackal's head. It's the government keeping secrets from us. This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the jackal's head on the Super Media Network. The biggest trick the jackal ever pulled was to convince the world <laughs> that he doesn't exist. Disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now, this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Saturday or Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well, it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. It might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head, on the Super Media Network. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Hey, welcome back to PSN Radio and Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, author, radio and TV personality, paranormal researcher and investigator, and of course the host of this radio show, Paranormally Speaking, webcast. <clears throat> you can log on to www.psn-radio.com and join us on the chat network, 
<coughs> tell us how you're doing this evening. Talk about uh, whether or not you played softball this weekend. If you've gotten any awesome projects on Saturday or Sunday. If you yourself have done any investigating. If you have any particular questions about tonight's topic. Or any questions, complaints, concerns, or suggestions. Uh, feel free to log on to www.psn-radio.com or www.suitmedianetwork.com slash, sorry, backslash paranormally speaking. Topic for tonight is vengeful spirits. Earlier I mentioned several locations and examples of an entity seeking vengeance. The definition of a vengeful spirit is as follows. A vengeful spirit is one that acts violently to avenge something a wrong done to them. While they are generally ghosts, the spirit may belong to someone still alive but close to death. This group does not include the spirits of people continuing acts of evil that they perpetuated while alive. First example I gave earlier, the Amityville Mansion. The Amityville is best known as the setting of the Amityville Horror by J. Anson, which was published in 1977 and has been turned into a series of films made between 1979 and 2005. The story of the Amityville Horror can be traced back to a real-life murder case in Amityville in November of 1974 when Ronald Defoe Jr. shot and killed six members of his family at 112 Ocean Avenue. December of 1975, George and Kathy Lutz and Kathy's three children moved into this house, but left after only 28 days, claiming to have been terrorized by, by paranormal phenomenon produced by the house. Jay Anson's novel is said to be based on these events, but has been the subject of much controversy. The house featured in the novel and its film's version still exist, but has been renovated and the address changed in order to discourage tourists from visiting it. The Dutch Colonial Revival Architectural House was built in 1927, was put on the market in May of 2010, and sold for $1.15 million, and it was sold in September for 950000 George would wake up. These are some of the things that would take place, of course, while the uh, while George and his family were living there at that time. Uh, George claimed to have, have uh, woke up every morning at around 3.15 and would go out to check the boathouse. Later he would learn that this uh, was the estimated time of the Defoe killings. Uh, also, the house was allegedly plagued by swarms of flies, despite the fact that they were in the middle of winter weather. Uh, Kathy, <coughs> George's wife, had vivid nightmares about the murders and discovered the order in which they occurred and the rooms where they had taken place. The Lutz's children also began sleeping on their stomachs in the same way that the dead bodies and the Defoe murders had been found. Uh, Kathy would feel a sensation as if being embraced in a loving manner by an unseen force. Uh, George discovered a small hidden room around four feet by five feet behind shelving in the basement. The walls were painted red, and the room did not appear to be in the blueprints of the house. The room came to be known as the Red Room. This room had a profound effect on their dog, Harry, who refused to go near it and cowered as if sensing something negative. Uh, there were cold spots and odors of perfume and excrement in areas of the house where no wind drafts or piping would explain the source of the odor. While tending to the fire, George and Kathy saw the image of a demon with half his head blown out. It was burned into the soot of the back of the fireplace. The Lutz's five-year-old daughter, Missy, developed an imaginary friend named Jody a demonic pig-like creature with glowing red eyes. George would be woken up by the sound of the front door slamming. He would race downstairs to find the dog sleeping soundly on the front, at the front door, and nobody else heard the sound, although it was loud enough to wake the house. George would hear what was described as German marching band tuning up, or what sounded like a clock radio playing not quite on frequency, but when he went downstairs, the noise would cease. 
George realized that he bore a strong resemblance to the to Ronald Defoe Jr. and began drinking the uh, at the Witch's Brew, the bar where Defoe was once a regular customer. When closing Missy's window, which Mary and Jody climbed out of, Kathy saw red glowing eyes staring at her. While in bed, Kathy received red welts on her chest caused by an unseen force and was levitated two feet off of her bed. Uh, reports of locks and doors and windows in the house that were damaged by an unseen force, cloven hoof prints attributed by uh, to an enormous pig appeared in the snow outside the house on January 1st, 1976. Blood oozed from the walls in the hall and also from the keyhole of the playroom door in the attic. A 12-inch, 30-centimeter crucifix hung in the living room by Kathy, revolved until it was upside down and gave off a sour smell. George tripped over a 4-foot-high, 1.2-meter china lion, which was an ornament in the living room, and has left with him uh, bite marks on his ankles. George saw Kathy transform into an old woman of around 90 years old. The hair wild, a shocking white, and the face mass of wrinkles and ugly lines, and saliva dripping from the uh, toothless mouth. <clears throat> Missy would sing constantly in her room. Whenever uh, she would go out of the room, she stopped singing, but going back into the room, she would s- go back into sing where she had left off at that time. After deciding that something was wrong with their house, they could not explain rationally. George and Kathy Lutz carried out a blessing on their home. January 8, 1976, George held a silver crucifix while they both recited the Lord's Prayer. And while in the living room, George allegedly heard a chorus of voices telling him, Will you stop? By mid-January 1976, after another attempt at a house blessing by George and Kathy, they explained... Uh, by sorry, they experienced that uh, what would be turned out to be their final night in the house. The Lutzes declined to give a full account of the events that took place in the occasion, describing them as much too frightening to retell. This moves us into the Marion, Ohio Cemetery, and uh, Marion, Ohio, of course, United States. The Amityville Mansion was located in New York State. Marion, Ohio. There is a tombstone that rests within the cemetery of Marion, Ohio. A woman died mysteriously, and after being buried, her face appeared in the tombstone with a pair of hands wrapped around her neck. There were dozens of people who remember hearing before her death that her killer will pay for his crimes. This is what she said in her last breath, apparently, or said to someone. People started to suspect her husband for her murder, considering that she died with traces of a mysterious toxin in her system. It was a foreign substance that they could not identify nor link to the husband. It was the early 1970s when this occurred. The husband was supposedly having violent dreams after her death and visions and started seeing his wife everywhere he went. He went mad and eventually committed suicide in the same house where his wife died. In the end, the husband and wife were buried next to one another, and the face of the wife with the phantom hands around her neck now had arms, and those arms connected to the body of the husband. They had made several attempts to clean the tombstone, replace it, and reposition it. However, the faces continue to appear to this day. And many years ago, on a dare, my father-in-law decided uh, on a dare to urinate on the tombstone in Marion, Ohio. The curse of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Chief Cornstalk placed a curse with his final breath after the treaty was broken. Uh, The Mothman incident, of course, has occurred in Point Pleasant, which many attributed to the curse that was placed on the grounds by Chief Cornstalk. And bizarre accidents continue to occur on a regular basis in Point Pleasant. Uh, Indian curses go hand-in-hand with negative energies, negative forces. Uh, There's a lot of negative and vengeful spirits connected to curses, especially in Native American culture. Uh, The Grudge movies, which I mentioned earlier, the Grudge movies are a perfect example of uh, a vengeful spirit. The traditional Japanese spirit world is layered with yomi, one uh, on one extreme, and in the physical world, on the other. In between is sort of a purgatory. 
this is what the movies are based on in the Grudge series. They all take place around this strange, uh, mystical, uh, dark, Asian spirit that comes back from the dead and wreaks havoc on those and, and basically killing them the same way that the spirit was uh, that the person was killed and the spirits left behind <clears throat> and between is sort of a purgatory an uncertain and ambiguous waiting area where spirits spirits languish before moving on ghosts in between this uh, between state who are very powerful from love, jealousy, hatred, or sorrow, can bridge the gap back to the physical plane, where they can haunt and wreak havoc on their earthly tormentors. In the movies, traditionally, Onro and other Yuri had no particular appearance. However, with the rising of popularity of the kabuki during the Edo period. A specific costume was developed, and of course this goes hand in hand with the grudge movies. Uh, if you remember the costume of the vengeful spirit. Highly visual in nature, and with a single actor often assuming various roles within a play, kabuki developed several visual short shorthands that allowed the audience to instantly clue in as to which character was on stage, as well as emphasis the, to emphasize the emotions and expressions of the actor, a ghost costume consisted of three main elements. White burial uh, kimono, uh, wild, unkept, long black hair, and white indigo face makeup uh, called uh, aiguma, uh, the, the white gaping ma the gaping mouth with a white face of course if anyone has seen the grudge i'm sure you remember the costume the get up and the way that uh, she would come at you uh, the ring was similar to that but not connected to japanese folklore japanese culture with vengeful spirits uh, stories retelling of course and i mentioned uh, earlier uh demons masquerading uh, that is also a part of the seduction within uh, which I've mentioned before, the seduction of the occult. Uh, you've got vengeful spirits within the demonic world, imps, and you have those masquerading as tormented loved ones or tormented souls to basically approach the masses and <clears throat> get them to try to open a line of communication. And when you do that, you don't necessarily know if you're getting the disgruntled spirit of the uh, deceased, uh, of that person who had died in a brutal fashion. Uh, you, co of course, could be getting the right-hand man of Satan himself uh, posing as um, a habuki. Or an imp, of course. Imps themselves are just weaker demons. Uh, they normally answer to a big boss. Uh, they themselves aren't as powerful as demons, but they are just as conniving and manipulative. And they normally uh, like to prey on children and agitate children, entertain them, and appear as, say, imaginary friends. We're going to go ahead and take our next break, and when we return, we will be talking with the guest we have for tonight, Karen Vance Hammond. She is the author of uh, she is the author of uh, Shoe Marks. That's her first novel, and we'll be talking to her about her book because it's very much in line with the issue of vengeful spirits, which of course is the topic for tonight. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut to break. Once I get our advertisements back up, we will be good to go in that department because we cannot go without a word from our sponsor. Because that, my friends, is how the bread is buttered. Thank you. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Patton Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the jackal's head. It's the government keeping secrets from us. This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the jackal's head on the Super Media Network. The biggest trick the jackal ever pulled was to miss the world. <laughs> that he does make sense. Disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Saturday or Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be the demonic being 
from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. Might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head, on the Super Media Network. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by the Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. Roswell. UFOs. Flying saucers. Alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. All right, that was uh, that was an interesting break, uh, needless to say. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, our guest for tonight is Karen Vance Hammond. Uh, Karen Vance Hammond is from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. She graduated from the University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas, with a double major in psychology and sociology. Sociology, not sociology. Not only does Karen enjoy writing, she was a soprano for the Shreveport Opera, she has had the pleasure of performing for Bill Clinton and Sam Walton. Uh, when she's not writing, she enjoys spending time with her family and her dog, Freckles. I'm assuming that uh, the dog's name is Freckles, not one of her kids. Karen makes her home with her husband and daughter in Houston, Texas. Her novel, Shoe Marks, I'll go ahead and, if it's okay with you, Karen, I've got Karen on the phone right now on, uh, through Skype. Uh, it's okay if I read an excerpt here from, uh, from the book. Karen, you with me? Okay, yeah. good. All right, Karen. Uh, it's stated here. John's eyes widen. He felt he was looking right. Th- she. He felt she was looking right through him, and he was sickened at her appearance. Maggie's eyes were sucking deep into her sockets. Her skin was pale, like white powder, and her fingernails were long, curved, and brittle. She turned and walked up the stairs, looking back at him with an eerie tone. She said, "Leave." The rain soaked everything in sight. John left the porch and stopped in the muddy puddles and around the property. He noticed a mound of dirt surrounded with rocks and dried wilted flowers. What in the world, he said to himself. John ducked down close to the ground, hoping he wouldn't be struck by the cloud by the cloud to go to ground lightning. Before the next lightning bolt, he removed the mud off of the tombstone. John's heart stopped as an M appeared, followed by the letter A. He vigorously moved his hands over the letters as the name and dates became visible. Margaret Horton, 1883 to 1899. Bewildered, he sat back, crawling backward in the mud in disbelief. So, Karen, you, uh, you've been writing for about how long now? I've been writing for about three years. Three years? How did you become interested in the paranormal? When I was living in the state of Maine, I was taking care of a woman named Dolly. She had fallen, and, and the daughters, her daughters, had told me that there was paranormal activity in the home. That a little boy had died, and at okay. that time, you could not make me believe in stuff like that. Um, I. I mean, it was taboo to me. And so, right. I sent my daughter 
and I was there with Dolly. That's when the paranormal activity started. I tell you what, I was not a believer then, but I am a believer now. <laughs> things like that will certainly change your perspective. I run into people all the time. Uh, you know, I've, I've been on TV and radio for a while, and, and people often recognize me when I'm when I'm at Kroger or Max and Irma's or Walgreens uh, filling a prescription, and they'll come to me with stories much like what you told me. Like I, my grandmother's house had this, or I grew I grew up in a house that had this going on. What do you think it means? So I, I can definitely uh, see where you're coming. That just to make you want to write about it, like what we do. Uh, how how did you uh, come to write Shoe Mars? What what interested you in doing that that storyline, that timeline, those specific characters? I had uh, a few years ago. I had met a very dear friend of mine named Jennifer. She and I were swapping ghost stories, and she had yeah. told me about a home that she had lived in uh, when she was younger, and uh, she started telling me in the home and what she and her brother she had six brothers and sisters had ex experienced so I had asked her if I could go to the house and I did so and as soon as I walked in I'm telling you Neil I knew that something was there I actually yeah. got to yeah. see the shoe marks um, I allegedly where Maggie had passed away um, they had bought the house in World War II era. Um, her father uh, was uh, injured in World War II, and he was starting a new job um, at the local university. And, um, they did not know about the paranormal activity. It had been, um, it had been sold and, and bought and resold. And, and Jennifer told me that there would be some buyers there that would leave within days. I mean, just leave everything behind. And yeah. so they purchased the home, and she was a little girl then. That's when the activity started. That's amazing. Uh, balls bouncing, going up and down the yeah. stairs, noises, voices. The floor would actually bleed. Um, well, let's see some other things that would happen voices, knives moving chandeliers shaking uh, books being thrown off the wall uh, just horrific things that she had to go through I spent days in home, I spent about three days in the house and I did some paranormal activity that's when I began to write about shoe marks okay uh, have you written uh, anything else prior to this? I mean, how many books have you written thus far, and uh, when would they be available? Did you, did you ha have you any other ideas, or are you planning on making a continuation series based on this? I may do a continuation on shoe marks. I do have two other novels that have been accepted by Synergy. Uh, they should be out within 2012. Uh, they are finished, but I'm also writing on another paranormal, and it is called The Crossroads, and then I'm working on Curse of Erosion, and I'm also doing my own bio, which is called Karen Story, and those are going to be out. Writing is a career of mine, but I do want to say something to all of the listeners. A lot of people yeah. ask me if I self-published my novels. My answer is no. And the reason yeah. why is that I wanted to find a company, a publishing company, who really believed in me and believed in this project. And so writers out there, I know that there's a lot out of them, a lot of them that are listening. And my advice to you, don't quit. There will be a publishing company out there who will believe in your work. And I was rejected so many times, but I just kept believing it will fall into the right hands. Synergy is a wonderful company. She was out in find it at www.karenvancehammond.com or you can go to synergybooks.com. Searchybooks.com. Yeah, you mentioned them to me because I'm looking 
currently been looking for a new publisher. And you said you were going to put in a good word for, for me. I, I truly appreciate that. Yes, and I have done so. Oh, thank you. You live up to your word. <laughs> I understand you have endorsements from award-winning authors uh, and, and uh, other affiliates like TAPS and uh, the Atlanta Paranormal Society, Ghost Hunters from Sci-Fi, uh, Peace River Ghost Trackers, Houston Paranormal Research, uh, Louisiana Spirits, and, of course, from my own team, Parks Paranormal Research and Investigation. Yes, I It's uh, it really is a very uh, intriguing piece. I mean, especially your writing style reminds me almost of if, say, Agatha Christie were to be planted in the 21st century and write about paranormal phenomenon. It had that same flavor as like an Agatha Christie novel. Yes. Yes. My Have you ever had anyone compare it to Agatha Christie's work? As well as you should, it's a great piece. Thank you so much. Where, where can uh, my listeners get a copy of Shoe Marks? If you Google Shoe Marks, it's everywhere, all over the net. You can go to www.karenvancehammond.com, and that's with a B, karenvancehammond.com. That is my website. You can also go to SynergyBooks.com. Now, if you want a signed digital copy, you can also yeah. find shorts at uh, KindleGraph.com. All you have to do is just look up shorts. Um, you can also find Schumarks at uh, BarnesandNoble.com and, of course, Amazon.com. It's everywhere. You, you can look at my name. Just Google my name. There's about, probably about eight sites that you can go to. And I, did, I just want to tell the listeners out there that Shoe Marks has really made a mark in the paranormal genre. Uh, so many people have emailed me, called me, texted me, um, Facebooked me, and asked me, where can I find this novel? And so, yeah. also, that there is a Schumark's Facebook page, and several people have oh, good. there. And yes, a Mark's Facebook page. Schumark's Facebook page. I'm going to have to look that up as soon as this uh, webcast is over with. I, I, I'll have to check that I like it for you. I had no idea you had one. Marks that uh, is inspired by true events that took place in Texas. Now, how did you find out about this house? And if you could tell us how you met one of the original owners of the house too, that that would be an awesome uh, retelling. If you could 
get into that. Well, like I said, Jennifer was a very dear friend of mine. It was her heart. She has already passed on. Uh, she was one of the first daughters um, of the parents that bought the home. But there's one thing that I do need to tell you now is that so yeah. many listeners have asked, where is this home? Where can I find this home? I want to go investigate this house. Jennifer and her siblings and um, the rest of the family have asked me to please respect their privacy. It is now a bed and breakfast to those of you who have read the novel. Um, uh -huh. It is still in operation to this day, and they do not want um, a stream of traffic um, up and down their street and people coming into the bed and breakfast and bothering yeah. the, the uh, patrons. But Jennifer had, and her family had purchased the old uh, Texas homestead in the small town. Now, this is the type of town meal where everybody knows your name. The Horton House was very famous, and I am sorry, listeners, but I have had to change the name of the home. Um, and according to the town's history, Maggie Horton, who was the very first homesteader, her husband James and Maggie Horton built this house, and she had had a baby at the age of 16. Now, back then, young women married very young. Um, she had mysteriously died in one of the worst droughts in the 1800s. But however, now I learned this from Jennifer and through some townspeople that however the townspeople they were skeptics and they believed that maybe she had been murdered uh, mm -hmm. by her husband because he mysteriously disappeared after the funeral in which her remains I might add were buried on her property. Over the years the house was repeatedly sold some owners, like I said, Neil, would just pick up in a hurry and just leave everything behind. Um, Jennifer, <laughs> Sounds like the image of a little horror. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Um, Jennifer told me that her and her brothers and sisters could not even sleep in their beds and that they knew when activity would start because the floor would bleed by the banister. Um, it would be uh, just uh, horribly cold. And that's when they would say, oh, no, get ready. Maggie's at it again. And so it's really a horrific oh, yeah. story. Now, uh, when you went uh, inside the house, did you see the, uh, the shoe marks uh, where Maggie allegedly died? And what, uh, any, if anything, any kind of a personal experience in the house when you were with the family member? Yes, I did. Like I said, I got to stay about three days in the home off and on. I never got to sleep there, uh, but I did get to visit there. And I did see the shoe marks, and that is where um, uh, she allegedly died. And I, like I said, I did get to put my finger in it. The wood was moist, but I did not see them bleed at that time. What I felt when I went into the I felt like the oxygen was being drained from my body. I felt like I um, got to my stomach at some points. And then other days that I was there and other hours that I was there, um, everything was just fine. Um, I experienced cold spots, hot spots, um, noises, walking, um, voices. Um, so, yes, there is activity in that home. Another thing, too, that I want to add is that when Jennifer and her siblings and parents purchased the home, and I know that you've read the book, Neil, they never could yeah. keep their clocks set. Never. The it's clocks? Clock. And that is what they believe and what some other paranormal people believe back in that day, believe that that's the time that she died. Jennifer told me that she could just stare at a clock and it would yeah. just start spinning. So, a lot of activity in that home. 
definitely a vengeful spirit, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, we obviously her spirit is still there. Now, um, the rocking chair and uh, furniture that belong to Maggie, it's, it's still there too, correct? Absolutely. Uh, now, the baby bed is now destroyed. Uh, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but I will tell you some things. Uh, yes, uh, the uh, actual baby bed that uh, the husband made for her, that was destroyed from what we understand. It was thrown down the stairs. Um, the rocking chair is still there. Um, so there's a lot of artifacts, if you will, that did belong to Maggie that are still in the home. They wanted to keep the Horton house as original as possible. Okay. Now, what, um, why have the owners of the house asked for privacy? I, I mean, one would assume that it's so people like myself don't go knocking on the door and ask to spend the night. I mean, they, they currently have it open as a bed and breakfast, but I'm... Do they have anything at all for the sake of tourism to say, hey, we have a ghost, come check it out? But they're very secretive about that, correct? Yes, they have asked for me to respect their privacy, and that is why when you read in the very beginning of the book that locations and names have been changed. Number one is that for the, the patrons that do stay there, um, I'm not too sure that they, you know, I don't know if they felt like that they would lose business mm -hmm. or possibly that they don't want to, um, um, <coughs> excuse me, that they don't want to um, disturb Maggie anymore. Um, that, is what, that is just what they asked of me. Um, when you have a lot of traffic at a bed and breakfast, a lot of people like myself who have gone to bed and breakfast for just a weekend getaway, we want privacy and uh -huh. we want peace. And um, I think it would be disturbing to have um, a paranormal team. And, and I am, an, I am uh, a, a team member with Houston Paranormal Research Team. And I feel like that, you know, I wouldn't want to stay in a place that had, you know, people walking around with um, EMF detectors and things like that. <laughs> a lot of people, uh, some people, not all, everybody's different, you know, doesn't believe in, in the paranormal. And so that is why I do believe that they uh, ask that locations and names have been changed. I can certainly respect that. And it goes without saying, of course. Um, now, is the house... It's not operating, like, as you said, just a bed and breakfast, not a hotel. <clears throat> people come, people go. No one's really allowed to stay for an extended period of time. Now, I understand you experience uh, yourself, paranormal, you experience paranormal phenomenon while riding shoe marks. Did you only experience it in this house, or did it feel like something was actually guiding you or following you along your path in writing this? That is a very good question, Neil. Yes, I did experience paranormal activity myself when I was writing shoe marks. Now, it was not in the current home that we live. It was on mm -hmm. the other side of town on Houston. <clears throat> when I started writing shoe marks, um, I was reading the first draft, which I had written in six weeks. I was reading it to a friend of mine, and uh, both, of, both of our computers were on, and my computer screen started going crazy, and so did hers. And I said, wait a minute, my computer's messing up, hold on. And my friend said, well, mine is too. We both described the same things at the same time, and then in an instant, both of our computers crashed. Another time that I was writing She Marks, um, I was upstairs in my office, and I was actually touched on the back of the head. The touch was up at my crown and went all the way down to my shoulders. Um, I froze. I did not move. It was very hard for me to breathe. Um, um, I, the air was very thick. I felt like that I could cut it with a knife, but 
I tried to keep riding and just keep going, and I will never, ever forget that touch. Another time when I was downstairs in my kitchen, my family and I were asleep, um, I felt a very hot, intense heat on the left side of my body. I felt like that it was feminine. I felt like that it wasn't, it wasn't malicious and it, and it wasn't threatening. And some people have asked me, do I believe that it's Maggie? Well, yes, I do. And the reason why is that there's that tie there with Jennifer. So, and I've been in the home. And that is really the only explanation that I have. Could it have been Maggie? You bet. Ghosts can travel. They can go anywhere they want to. And then they can, you know, go back to where they came from. Yeah, that's true. Um, like I mentioned the example of the Amityville Mansion earlier. Uh, if you remember the, the story as it goes, uh, when they would they took some articles with them to leave the home for a short while and stayed at a family member's house, and something followed them from that mansion to uh, where they were staying and was uh, agitating them there as well. So whatever negative energy or vengeful spirit was attached to the Amityville Mansion it actually attached itself to that family and could leave where it was uh, its original domicile and follow them wherever they went, but then it would come back with them too. So uh, what you're explaining to me there, that's why before I do an investigation with my team or even by myself, and before we leave that site, I always open and close with prayer always do a blessing before we go in and before we leave. It's almost like taking off your 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 coat and wiping your shoes before you go in, and you definitely want to put your coat back on and walk out facing the room you're exiting. It's it's a, it's a respect factor. Yes. Yes. Now, I mentioned also the uh, vengeful spirits that existed within the Grudge movies. Have you seen any of the Grudge films? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. No, that's, that's good Hollywood fun and all, but um, you know, the vengeful spirits are obviously very real. And that one was more uh, of like a very angry, malicious, vengeful, violent, angry spirit. Uh, just basically self-created there to destroy any and uh, everybody that came into contact with it. Now, Maggie does not strike me as that kind of a spirit. That, that is correct. And one of the things, and like I said, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but I do need to say something, is that there was a prayer, and Jennifer remembers this very vividly, um, is that her mother walked around with Sage saying Psalm 91 and saying a prayer and she would say that nothing evil shelter this home but only good yeah. and then when she asked the paranormal investigators why it's there the answer was so clear because Maggie's not evil yeah so, anyway yeah it was um, I don't want to give away too much because you know yeah I can understand that I'm trying to be careful what I what I give out on the book as well. I'm you know I'm really eager to talk about it, but not too much because I definitely want you to sell this book. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the other projects you have lined up? Okay, um, Synergy Books. I am in con I am contracted through Synergy Books. My next paranormal that's coming out is called the Monastery Murders. Uh, that um, is also complete, and it should be out in 2012. And then I have a sequel. It's called Identity, which I carry over the characters in that novel. And it also has splashes of paranormal. Crossroads Trilogy, I'm going to gear that toward adults and young adults. And it is definitely paranormal. Across, um, the Surfside Erosion, that also takes place here in Texas. And, of course, I am working on my own story, which is called Karen's Story. Karen's Story. When they come 
come out, of course, you will be able to find them at KarenVanTammon.com. Okay, and definitely, uh, I hope my listeners got that uh, web web address. Uh, we have mentioned it. Uh, you have mentioned it three or four times. I've mentioned it a couple. Yeah, let me go ahead and spell it for you. It's K-A-R-E-N, V as in victory, V-A-N-C-E, Hammond, H-A-M-M-O-N-D dot com. And also synergies, that's S-Y-N-E. E-R-G-E-B-O-O-K-S dot com. All right, wonderful, Karen. Well, I'm going to have to go ahead and end this conversation because we are just about out of time. I'm so glad that we were able to to work this out to where we can talk to you, get a chance to hear uh, more about you so my audience could possibly pick up a new read for a summer vacation next summer, a uh, Christmas gift, or for some just a, a book to read. I, I'm sure it's downloadable for Kindle and iPod, or iPad, right? Yes, it is. Uh, you can find Schumark several ways. Uh, you can download it as a PDF file. It is also available um, on a CD-ROM. Um, you can also find Schumark's at uh, uh, Kindle. You can get it on your Nook. Uh, also, it is coming out in paperback if you want the paperback. And like I said, if you want a signed copy, a digital signed copy, all you have to do is go to, to Kindle Graph. But don't forget that it's also on Amazon.com. It's also all right, wonderful. Smashwords. Okay, well... I'll go ahead and let you go. I'm sorry that I uh, took up all your time with watching Desperate Housewives season premiere tonight. I don't know if I interfered with that or not. Okay. <laughs> my wife's watching it right now. She's skipping my show. No big deal. <laughs> okay, but I will uh, let you go and enjoy your week. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule for us, okay? Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. You have a great week. You too. All right, and we're going to cut to a quick commercial break and be right back. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Ben Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the jackal's head. It's the government keeping secrets from us. This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the jackal's head on the soup. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Oswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. All right, that was Karen Vance Hammond, and this is Neil Parks. We just had a great interview with a very phenomenal author. Hope that you enjoyed it, and hope that you enjoyed the show, and hope to have you back here next week, same bat time, same bat channel, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, www.psn-radio.com. You can find the archives this week and the upcoming show for next week. Thank you, and you have a great evening, everyone.
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Well, that's all for tonight. Thank you for your undivided attention, and I'll see you soon. Keep watching the skies.